In the mythical landscapes of 11th century upland in Sweden, there existed a figure whose name resonated with both the harsh clangour of battle and the delicate intricacy of ancient symbols. His name was Ulf of Beresta. But Ulf was more than a marauder. He was a custodian of ancient wisdom, a guardian of sacred runes. In the flickering firelight of his runic sanctum, he crafted inscriptions that whispered secrets of forgotten tales. The very air around him seemed to pulse with the energy of these mystic symbols. Most early medieval Scandinavians were probably literate in runes, known as runic alphabets, which were used by the Germanic peoples and Norse before they adopted the Latin alphabet. Runes were used for record keeping and were found on things like weapons, ivory and coins. Runes were often erected by long-distance explorers, seeking to document their visits to newly found lands, or to memorialise their fallen comrades. Rune carvers on commission, or on their own, carved memorials and gravestones more than anything else. This was the case for Ulf. There were two rune stones which were raised in his memory. The first one reads, and Ulf took three Danegelds in England. That was the first that Skaggle Toaste paid, then Thorkel the Tall paid, then Canute the Great paid. This conveys that Ulf, a master stonemason and runemaster, was also a Viking warrior. Raiding the shores of England in the year 991 with Skoglar Toaste, who was named after a Valkyrie, due to his love for war. He then returned to England with Thorkel the Tall and the Joms Vikings in the year 1012 to devastate the country, leaving its land scorched and its wealth extorted. Ulf finally returned in the year 1018 with Prince Canute, who took the whole country of England after a series of climactic battles, and he would become Canute the Great, eventually creating the North Sea Empire. As Ulf of Beresta etched his name into the annals of history, he stood at the crossroads of two worlds, one grounded in the rustic beauty of Upland, and the other defined by the seas and the distant shores of England. His tale, like the ancient runes he mastered, was a symphony of conquest and legacy. This is his story. The early life of Ulf remains shrouded in the mists of time. However, he was probably from a noble lineage, as his cousin, Ragnvald Ingvarsson, was a captain of the Varangian Guard in the first half of the 11th century. The Varangian Guard was an elite unit of the Byzantine army, who served as personal bodyguards to the Byzantine emperors. Very few of them could return home with the honour of having been the captain of the guard. His name alone conveys he was from the higher echelons of Old Norse society, and that he was a relative to the ruling dynasty of the House of Munso. Therefore, Ulf perhaps was a minor noble and a Viking chief. Skoglar Toste, a name that resonates through the annals of Viking history, 
like the haunting echo of clashing swords and the mournful cries of fallen warriors. In the hallowed sagas of old, particularly Snorri Sturluson's Heimskringla saga, this legendary 10th century chieftain emerges as a figure both feared and revered. The Heimskringla saga says this about the Norse chief. There was a man in Sweden called Tosti, who was the richest and most distinguished people in the land, even though he did not have a title of nobility. He was the greatest warrior and went on many raids. He was known as Skoglar Toste. The name Skoglar draws its roots from the Valkyrie Skagel, a celestial maiden who guided the chosen slain to the hallowed halls of Valhalla. Skoglar Toste's name thus becomes an invocation of war and destiny. Although exact details aren't mentioned, Skoglar and Ulf in the year 991 crossed the North Sea into England to raid and pillage for wealth and for glory. The sagas sing of a runestone, a weathered relic bearing testament to Skoglar Toste's exploits. The runestone whispers of Ulf the Viking runemaster and Skoglar raiding together. Imagine the scene, the clash of steel against steel, the frenzied dance of warriors intoxicated by the scent of battle. Skoglar Toste, a figure both feared and admired, stood at the forefront, a colossus of muscle and malice. The culmination of Ulf and Skoglar's raiding would be the payment of Danegeld, which was a tax raised to pay tribute or protection money to the Viking raiders to save a land from being ravaged. Ulf would then return home to Upland as a wealthy Viking warrior to bask in his tales of glory and triumph. Ulf would also take part in the Joms Viking invasion of England from the years 1009 to 1012. It is unknown whether Ulf himself was a Joms Viking, or if he was just in one of the war bands that joined forces with the Order in order to bolster their raiding numbers. The Joms Vikings were Viking mercenaries of the 10th and 11th centuries, with a strict code of conduct, and were fanatically loyal to the worship of the old Norse gods. The chief of the Joms Vikings during the start of the 11th century was Thorkel the Tall, a towering figure, said to be the tallest man any person had ever seen at the time. He was also described as a savage warrior of great repute, being the veteran of many battles. Thorkel cast an ominous shadow across the tapestry of Viking lore. According to the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, Thorkel and by extension Ulf would sail to England, and their raiding party went to the rich city of Canterbury. The citizens of the city, fearing for their lives, made peace with the army, and gave them 3,000 pounds of silver. However, the Joms Viking force was not satiated, and decided to go plundering in other areas of the country. The Joms Vikings raided the Isle of Wight, Sussex, Hampshire, and also Berkshire. The devastation to England was so profound that King Ethelred the Unready of England 
in a desperate bid, rallied the entire nation against this formidable Viking menace. Despite such desperate efforts, the Oms Vikings roamed unchecked, raiding with impunity. The Order would even besiege the city of London, but they were met with ill fare and failed to take the city. In a fury, the forces of Thorkel would burn the city of Oxford. However, they would finally meet an army in East Anglia. The elderman Ulfseitel had gathered his forces. However, they soon fled at the sight of the Yom's Vikings. In an unnamed battle, the army of Thorkel fought against the king's forces. According to the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, the Danes had possession of the place of carnage and afterwards had dominion over East Anglia, and for three months they ravaged and burned the land. Due to the Yom's Viking occupation of East Anglia, and them burning many other areas of England, Ethelred the Unready would summon his Witten so they could counsel him on how the land might be defended. However, there was no elderman who would assemble his forces, and the lords were not willing to fight together either. By the end of the Yom's Viking raids in England, they had overrun East Anglia and Kent, and many lands in Wessex and the Midlands. The Chronicle paints a bloody picture of the Yom's Viking occupation of much of England. They went everywhere in bands, and plundered our miserable people, and robbed and slew them. After burning much of the country, the force would besiege the city of Canterbury again, except this time, the Yom's Vikings took it. They even took the Archbishop of Canterbury Elfhair as a hostage, demanding £3,000 of silver for his release. However, Elfhair would prove a nuisance to the warriors, and was murdered by Thorkel's men during a drunken feast. Nevertheless, the Yom's Vikings eventually ceased their attacks across southern England, but only after a large series of Danegeld payments were made, eventually culminating to 48,000 pounds of silver. Ulf of Veresta no doubt would have made vast amounts of money during his time campaigning with Thorkel the Tall and the Yom's Vikings, and would once more return to Sweden after a very successful time occupying and plundering different parts of England. Such was the ruin and desolation wrought by the Yom's Vikings in England that Swain Falkbeard, the sovereign of Denmark, assumed personal command of his forces, leading a sweeping invasion of the land of England. With swift precision, Swain claimed dominion over the entirety of England, prompting King Ethelred to seek refuge in Normandy, an exile born of the relentless onslaught. As Swain commenced the intricate task of organising his newfound kingdom, he suddenly died just after five weeks on the throne, leaving an uncertain fate for the Kingdom of England, which had just fallen to the dead king. Harold II, Swain's elder son, ascended to the throne of Denmark, while his younger son Canute found himself hailed as the King of England by the people of the Danelaw. 
the Danelaw, a part of England in which the law of the Danes held sway and dominated those of the Anglo-Saxons. Yet, amidst the divergent claims to the throne, a political plot brewed. The English nobility, in a bid to restore order, dispatched for Ethelred, who, emerging from his exile in Normandy in the year 1014, managed to expel Canute from the English shores with the help of the Eldermen and Lords of England. It was now clear who the English nobility wanted on the throne. With another invasion of England brewing, Ulf of Baresta would join Prince Canute in his conquest of England. King Ethelred the Unready would soon die during the war, leaving the defence of the country to his eldest son, Edmund Ironside, who emerged as a valiant defender of the Anglo-Saxon realm. He rose to the occasion, earning a reputation as a savage and skilled warrior. The battles between Canute and Edmund were of epic proportions. Both warrior princes engaging each other in several battles. After much warfare, and both armies being withered down, in the year 1016, a pivotal moment would determine the fate of the kingdom. The Battle of Assenden, where the forces of Canute and Edmund clashed in a fierce and bloody confrontation, with neither side willing to yield. Despite Edmund Ironside's unwavering resolve and martial prowess, he was betrayed by his elderman Edric Striona, the elderman of Mercia, in the midst of the carnage of battle. Due to this betrayal, Canute decisively defeated Edmund in the war for England. The kings, however, would come to an arrangement for a co-rule of the kingdom. Tragically, the promise of a divided kingdom was short-lived. Edmund Ironside's untimely death, just a month after the agreement, left Canute as the undisputed ruler of all England. Ulf of Baresta once again had taken part in a successful raid. This one, however, resulted in the conquest of an entire nation, for which he was paid for handsomely. He once again would return to Sweden to live as a wealthy Viking warrior and runemaster. Ulf's legacy is that of a Viking warrior who etched his mark across three triumphant expeditions into the heart of England. Among these, two stand as monuments to history's grandeur, the audacious Joms Viking occupation of the kingdom and the sweeping invasion orchestrated by Canute the Great, who claimed dominion over the English lands. Yet, Ulf's narrative transcends the blood-soaked annals of battle. Beyond the clash of swords and the roar of conquest, he was a revered runemaster, a custodian of ancient wisdom and artistry. In a solemn commemoration of cherished kin, Ulf would raise stones, representing the enduring memory of his loved ones. Among these hallowed stones, two stones bear witness to Ulf Saga as a celebrated Viking warrior who, with dauntless spirit, 
partook in the levying of Danegelds upon English soil. These stones echo the chords of Ulf's exploits, cementing his name in Viking lore. Yet, as the wheel of time turned, another runestone emerged, inscribed with the melancholy tale of Ulf's demise, raised not by the hand of glory-seeking conquerors, but by the devotion of his sons. This solemn monument speaks of the passing of a legend. Ulf the warrior, the rune master, lives on through the enduring poetry of stone, a testament to the rich tapestry woven by those who dare to carve their destinies upon the anvil of history. Behind the few Nordic runic inscriptions on a stone, they tell an epic tale of a warrior who travelled the sea to distant lands and who never fell to the sword. However, they also leave a lot to the imagination. During Ulf's life he fought with legends, Skaggle Toasty, celebrated in poems as a mighty warrior, Thorkel the Tall, the chief of the Jons Vikings, and Canute the Great, the founder of the North Sea Empire. Ulf would fight with all of these titans, and would take part in one of the most devastating periods in England's history, witnessing countless wars, sieges, assassinations, betrayals, and of course, raiding and plundering. This was the life of Ulf of Beresta. I hope you all enjoyed the video. If you did, make sure to like, subscribe and share, and I'll see you all soon for another History Profile.